Section zero of The Science History of the Universe, Volume eight. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Wayne Cook. The Science History of the Universe, Volume eight. Edited by Francis Rote Wheeler. Introduction. The general reader, for whom this writing is primarily designed, though he be college-bred, and may thus have had a mathematical discipline extending possibly through an elementary course in the calculus, probably entertains very erroneous or very inadequate notions respecting the proper character of mathematics, and especially respecting alike its marvellous growth in modern times and the great range and variety of doctrines that the term has come to signify. With a view to correcting such errors, at least in some measure, if they exist, and in order to enhance the reader's interest and to enlighten his appreciation, it seems worth while to preface the exposition proper with some general indications, albeit they must needs be mainly of an exterior kind, of the nature and the extent of the science whose foundations are to be subsequently explained. Let it be understood, then, that while mathematics is the most ancient of the sciences, it is not surpassed by any of them in point of modernity, but it is flourishing even today as never before, and at a rate unsurpassed by any rival. To compare it to a deep-rooted giant tree of manifold high and far-reaching arms is not an adequate simile. Rather is the science like a mighty forest of such oaks. These, however, literally grow into and through each other, so that by the junction and the intercessence of limb with limb, and root with root, and trunk with trunk, the manifold wood becomes a single living, organic, growing whole. The mathematical achievements of antiquity were great achievements. The works of Euclid and Archimedes, of Apollinus and Diophantus, will endure forever among the most glorious monuments of the human intellect. And just now, owing to Dr. Heath's superb English edition of Euclid's Elements, a beautiful translation of the thirteen books from the definitive text of Heiberg, with rich bibliography and extensive commentary setting the whole matter in the composite light of ancient and modern geometric research, one sees even better than ever before how great, mathematically, was the age that produced the immortal Alexandrine classic. Yet the elements of Euclid is as small a part of mathematics as the Iliad is of literature, that the Pandects of Justinian is of human jurisprudence, or as the sculpture of Phidias is to the world's total art. Not the age of Euclid, but our own, is the golden age of mathematics. Ours is the age in which no less than six international congresses of mathematics have been held in the course of ten years. Today there exist more than a dozen mathematical societies containing a growing membership of over two thousand men and women representing the centers of scientific light throughout the great culture nations of the world. In our time, more than five hundred scientific journals are each devoted in part while more than two score others are devoted exclusively to the publication of mathematics. It is in our time that the Jahrbuch über die Fortschritte der Mathematik, 
Yearbook for the Progress of Mathematics, though it admits only condensed abstracts with titles, and does not report upon all the journals, has, nevertheless, grown into nearly forty huge volumes in as many years. It requires no less than seven ponderous tomes of the forthcoming Encyclopedia der Mathematischen Wissenschaften, Encyclopedia of the Mathematical Sciences, to contain not expositions, not demonstrations, but merely compact reports and bibliographic notices sketching developments that have taken place since the beginning of the 19th century. This great work is being supplemented and translated into the French language. Finally, to adduce yet another evidence of like kind, the three immense volumes of Moritz Cantor's Geschichte der Mathematik, History of Mathematics, though they do not aspire to the higher forms of elaborate exposition, and though they are far from exhausting the period traversed by them, yet conduct the narrative down only to 1758. A fourth volume in continuation of Cantor's work has recently appeared. It was composed mainly by other hands. That date, however, but marks the time when mathematics, then schooled for over a hundred eventful years in the fast unfolding wonders of analytic geometry and the calculus, and rejoicing in these the two most powerful instruments of human thought, had but fairly entered upon her modern career. And so fruitful have been the intervening years, so swift the march along the myriad tracks of modern analysis and geometry, so abounding and bold and fertile withal has been the creative genius of the time, that to record, even briefly, the discoveries and the creations since the closing date of Cantor's work would require an addition to his great volumes of a score of volumes more. It is little wonder that so vital a spirit as that of Mathesis, increasing in intensity and more and more abounding as the ages have passed, it is small wonder that since pre-Aristotelian times it has challenged the mathematician and the philosopher alike to tell what it is, to define mathematics. And it is now not surprising that they should try in vain for many hundreds of years, for naturally, conception of the science has to grow with the growth of the science itself. Cassius J. Kaiser End of Introduction